0: Welcome to the Belfry Hockey Podcast. I'm Daryl Belfry and this is season three, episode one. And what I'd like to do with this season is focus a lot on the actual art of teaching. And of course, I'm gonna use hockey as the as the platform, but it could be any it could be anything. It could be a school teacher, it could be anytime you're teaching anybody anything. These types of things that we're going to talk about over the course of this season. This is how I want to how I want to present it. All the different things that I've learned over the years and what I'm currently focused on. So this uh, first episode, I'm going to talk about a lot about meeting players where they're at and how to do that on a team environment or in a group setting. Uh, most of my work in player development it started off with group started off in private lessons then went to groups and teams and then while i was doing that i was doing then very small groups of you know a couple of players and then pri- and then private lessons throughout and i found like having the diversity of being able to deal with different different players you know have for example like you'd have a group of 5 you have one forward and four defensemen or you have, you know, like odd situations like that, that those environments is what really, I think challenged me to think about things differently. Cause you, you just have to. And then of course in team environments, when I first started with groups and teams, my focus was just get the, just focus on the best player, whoever the best player is, Focus on that player, make sure that player gets better and kinda of drag everyone else along. And and that I used I use that for years. And there is some benefit to that for sure. Not just for the best player. There are other players who do benefit from that, but it's not ideal. It's not it's not the perfect scenario. So me, I was. I'm. I'm always trying to find different ways to do it better. And best practices for me are the next best idea that makes me better, and 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 gives me a better chance to have a better and much more longer lasting impact on the players that I'm teaching. So, um, one of the things that I want to convey in this first episode is that there are levels to. To, to player development and to teaching and there's levels to everything but there's real levels in in player development and what i've come up with is kind of four general levels i think there's you can go and i have kind of separated these a little bit more and into uh, more granular levels um except to have like more subcategories and stuff because those are points of emphasis that I was working on at the time so one of the big challenges for me personally has been there hasn't really been a good model for me and I whenever I've whenever I've gone out to really do a lot of research on people who are effective at influencing real change in athletes I always find myself like Disappointed because you just see so much of the same things over and over again, and I don't ever want to do that. I think when you, I kind of grew up with uh, if you do what everyone else does, you get what everyone else gets, and I was always trying to find a way to be to be different and better at the same time, and so. With that motivation, I was always like looking for some ideas and then just found myself like I said very disappointed because there really isn't a lot of really good models uh in terms of people that have like a real feel like there's there's people that have like a shtick where they kind of do the same types of things over and over again. There's coaches who kind of operate a certain way and then they Are in the business for a long time they have many assistant coaches and then of course they all adopt a lot of those same methodologies and then they spread out like wildfire and then next thing you know it's just a lot of the same and that's kind of where i was at years ago and so now i've over the last you know 15 or 20 years i really tried to figure out how to be a better teacher and what that actually means and so what I want to go through is today is group environment, team environment teaching. Cuz very often you're not teaching when you're in a group environment. And most of the coaches that I watched that I, you know, I thought were really good, they were coaching. They weren't teaching. And I think that there's a big difference. And there's moments where you could argue that there's some teaching going on. Um but as soon as you run one drill for 15 minutes and you don't really have any adjustments and you don't really talk to anybody, you just run the drill, uh, you're not really teaching. And then I watch the assistant coaches and they're either putting pressure on people or, you know, they're standing in line, but they're not really like affecting or influencing uh reflection on what happened to try to do something either different or or better or or make an adjustment then we're just running drills and if we're just running drills then we're drifting more towards coaching not so much on the teaching and trying to actually influence behavioral change so i i i want to go through these i i have broken it down into four levels so the first level is single structure single structure is pretty much where 90 to 95% of hockey lives is in, in a group environment is in single structure. So what is a single structure? So a single structure is where the drill execution and the patterns of the drill is the actual focus. So, you know, this is where the coach brings you over uh, to the board, draws up, ever so nicely the patterns of how the drill is going to work the timing okay when this happens then this guy goes and then this guy jumps out here and then gonna accept the two-on-one and then and when that happens then erase the board draw phase two of the drill the drill goes and there's many different components perhaps or maybe it's a simple drill whatever the case is doesn't really matter it's all about the execution of the drill. Doesn't no matter how complicated the drill is or how many how many pieces are or how game oriented it is or anything like that. And it can be a game. Could be a game. Everyone loves games. Could be a game. That's a single structure. And what it is is like the teaching elements are very generic. So there's nothing really personalized about it. It's not like you go to your star left winger, and you say, "Hey, like in this drill, if I was you, I would focus on you know your shot release. I would change change angle. You know the way in which this drill is coming. You know you're pro- primarily at least for the first half when we're going this way, you're going to be coming down your off wing. Like that might be a great opportunity to go shot fake, little step to the middle, and then just try some different try some different skills." You know, you're know you going to get some of that, but not really a lot of it. And you're certainly not going to go down the line. You might talk to one kid, maybe two kids. There might be a kid also who, when they're going, they just go down the middle of the ice and, and shoot the puck from an unreasonable position, so you make a correction there. But it's not really like personalized development. You're just coaching to the effectiveness of the, the execution of the drill. And that's basically, like I said, upwards of, to me, 90% of what you see is single structure. And um, I think one of the things that's, that's, that's very interesting with this is when I, when I go out in a, group, a small group environment, it doesn't matter the level, I'm talking NHL all the way down, most of the time in a group environment, players are generally bored and they in, in and what they'll do is the best players have a real love for the game and they have a passion for their craft and so they're looking to make the drill their own in some way they're looking to do different things and so they're not they're not going to take the mundane or boredom of a practice and they're not they're not going to just accept that and and what they're going to do is they're going to just find little moments where they can do different things and execute things differently. so they're going to come down on that two-on-one and they're going to do five different plays and they're working on different things they're collecting information they're making their own adjustments They're like they're they're in a process. They're gonna take your practice and they're gonna make it a player development exercise for themselves in some way, shape, or form. We love those kids. Then you have like everyone else. Like this is the kid. He's genuinely bored. He's you know not really engaged mentally. You know he's flipping pucks around. You know in between the drills, he's stick handling, and you know like they're just. It doesn't matter the pace of the practice. That like that's you know, you can keep engagement by the pace of the practice, of course, because they are doing more things more often. All you're doing is reducing the amount of dead time that they have. But the overall consensus when you really see what's actually going on and the actual execution of what the player's actually doing, the players bored. They're not they're 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 not looking. They're not like the first guy we are talking about, who's looking to try different things and has all the you know and a clear like you can see that there's there's a process going on here. Like they have what you would call elite practice habits. Like they're they're finding the purpose in in it for themselves. The rest of them, you're like it's cattle prodding to get them through the practice, and for the most part they're mentally from a personal player development perspective in their interest in using that time to get better they're not they're not and they're they're not disruptive they do the drills properly they're you know you wouldn't accuse them of not working hard or trying hard but they're mentally they're not there looking actively looking to try to find ways to improve what's going on for themselves either personally or to make other people better etc there's a it doesn't matter what level you're at there's a severe lack of leadership that occurs when you are in single structure all the leadership comes from essentially cattle prodding of the coach trying to drive energy enthusiasm try to reduce the boredom level and if there is any leadership it's personal leadership where one one or two kids or a small number of kids have their own kind of things that they're working on and they have these habits but they're not they're not uh transposing those onto others which would reflect leadership they're not like saying in a line after a rep hey that was hey that was two, to their neck to the next guy hey that was that was great i thought you had me there Um, you know, if you would have done this, that would have put me in a tougher spot. Like that's, that's leadership, right? And how much of that's really going on. I've been at every level. I've been with the best players in the world. You see it infrequently at best. In a single structure. So that's single structure. Parallel structure is the next level. Parallel structure is when you have two or more players working on two or more different concepts. So, rather than like having a a drill or a game in which the outcomes are kind of clear as to what needs to happen, in a parallel structure you have kind of either two things going together So you have play with the puck and play without the puck, and you're trying to coach both of them. Or you have an offensive player working against a defensive player, and the offensive player has one set of objectives. Defensive player has another set of objectives. You're using the, the, the parallel structure of the drill to work one against the other. So one is testing their ability to learn the skills and collect information. And then the key to the parallel structure is in feedback both from the coach and from the player learning to reflect and say, okay, what in that one you know, uh, I could have maybe created a heel or I could have attacked space or I could have changed speeds or I could have cut back. Or what, like they start to think of other possibilities of what they could have done and then that factors into... You know the next rep, and then they take that information, and then they're actively processing what's going on, and and they're 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 trying to you know make an, an adjustment for the next one, or maybe take control of the space differently in the next one. But there's a real active aspect to it, and um, one of the one of the things that irritates me, and is a miss in most of most of hockey is the the idea that surrounds a dummy defender and this dummy defender has irritated me for years and now this is my soapbox opportunity to talk about it so a dummy defender is a missed opportunity at a parallel structure so what you're saying is is that i'm running a a a drill the drill has a specific objective for the offensive player for example and the offensive player I want that player to win. And so what I'm going to do is tell the defensive player, I don't want you to try. Not Certainly don't want you to try hard. Maybe you're just going to be like a like a blob presence. You know, you're going to have a stick, but it's not a good stick. You're going to have a body, but it's not really all that. It's limp. You're not really like trying to be hard on it. Your footwork is going to be a little bit delayed. You're not all that committed. So... The dummy defender is used all the way through. Like, and there's dummy defenders used in the NHL. And it's a missed opportunity at a parallel structure. And when you you can have two things working at the same time with two players who have two different sets of skills in which they're working on, and they use the structure to be able to work on it with each other. And, and there's a missed opportunity for leadership. Leadership, like I said, both kids come back to the back of the line, and they're like, and the forward says to the defender, "Hey, your footwork there was great. It was crazy how quickly you got on top of me. That was awesome." That for the defenseman now has a sense of understanding of his effectiveness with that footwork. He starts to reflect on his footwork, and then say, and then. Um, You know, it might be, or your stick was precluding. Like, that stick was a great stick. It made it hard. I didn't feel like I had any options. That's why I had to cut back. Whatever. They're talking to each other. There's an an interaction. That's leadership. There's an interaction. There's open discussion. They're talking about how to make each other better. Hey, you did did good at this if you would have done that, or maybe try this, or whatever. That doesn't, it doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. It needs to happen more. And that's what a parallel structure has the opportunity to do. And as a teacher, my objective is to foster situations in which that happens frequently. That there is a clear skill opportunity that's been that that the that each player is working on. That there's immediate feedback that the player is trying to assess. Like after that rep you might hear from me you might not hear from me i'm trying to train them also that if you're waiting for me every time that's also inefficient as i got to be uh, in a lot of different places so you want to do it yourself teach teaching reflection is a critical aspect of player development that we don't even talk about rep and and you can get there through this fostering leadership on your on your ice, where players are engaged and talking to each other, and a parallel structure is a easy way not easy, but it's a way, a natural way for players to then work together. And you can force them to do it, and you can you can encourage by the way the questions that you ask, the way that you structure things. Um, you start talking about the reflection, and then you talk to the individual players about. The benefits of reflection and talking to them about how they can create those conversations while they're on the ice that's parallel structure then you have a personal structure so now I have two or more players working in the same drill structure but each individual player has a specific thing that's different that they're focused on in that drill environment. So, for example, let's say you had, I'm the co- I'm the D, D coach, we do a split. I'm in, I'm in one end with my D, I got six or eight D. We're going to do retrieval habits, that's the drill. So puck goes in, I'm going to put it in different, I'm going to have different, me as the coach, I'm going to create variability by, where I'm putting the puck, how hard I'm going to do it, when I do it, uh, the route that I get the player to take—like I'm creating all these variables. Okay, I might put use one of the players to put pressure on them. I might have you know this whole process that ultimately gives them some options. Then I'm going to take some options away, force a read, all that stuff. Well, each of those, let's call it six defensemen. Most coaches have six defensemen. Some of them might have seven or eight. Each one of those players has different assets. Each one of those players has different uh, problems as it relates to their retrievals. Some players could use more change of speed. Some players could be quicker getting back there. Some players their pivot is terrible. Some players their stick details awful. Some players have no deception. Some players have a perception issue as to how like where the puck is. The, every time the puck hits the boards, it kinda like they, they have a difficult time reading the carom and they don't understand the weight of the puck and where it's going and can't anticipate. So we have all of that. Um, then we have how they pick it up and then we have the shoulder checks and we have, you know, what are they actually looking for? Like you have a million skills, like I can list the millions of them that uh, could be including. So the more, you know, about these players, the more you would understand where their strengths are and where their weaknesses are. And so you would then, uh, start building a retrieval program in which you would then identify what part of the retrieval each player would be working on so this is something like this is where like if you get caught in these situations where you have one forward and 4D as your group of 5 what are you going to do well you have you have to kind of personalize it a little bit right like you don't like you can't just run all retrieval it's just throw that forward in and go ah you know what it'll probably be good for you so go ahead or you say ah we'll do all winger skills because the winger is actually the best player here so let's forget about the d stuff you guys just play forward like that happens i mean i'm talking in the nhl regardless like uh, and all the way down that type of stuff happens because we don't understand the player development aspects of personalizing development and having the tools and the skill set as a as the instructor to understand how to put that together. And that's what I'm talking about is like that's that's the that's the real skill is understanding how to personalize a group environment so that each player has an opportunity to work on something that's specific to them so they're going to get the maximum amount of value of the time that they're there. They and you've taught or you're in the process of teaching reflection. So now you got that. So now they can they can, uh, they can, evaluate one rep against another. They can start anticipating what kinds of things they might be doing. And some of them are going to do this on their own. And then we go, yeah, those guys get like, that's, that's the best players. And that's where the cream rises to the top. Okay, fair enough. But as a teacher, you have responsibilities like the classroom. Like, I'm just going to say, well, you know what? The cream rises to the top. Some kids get it. Some kids don't. I put the homework on the board. If he gets it, he gets it. If he doesn't, he doesn't. I mean, that's what we're doing? No, you're, of course, you're going to teach and you're going to dig in and you're going to figure out where the problem is and then you're going to try to create... I hope you're going to do that. That's teaching, right? Trying to... Teaching is personal. Coaching is group. So we got to find a way to teach in a group environment but we don't always do that we don't always understand the skills of how to do it and it takes years to figure this stuff out so that's why I'm trying to bring out some of the things that I that I see and the things that I've been working on to try over the years to build my skill set or it doesn't matter what you what environment you put me in I can personalize the environment make sure each kid gets what they need out of it and that I'm coaching actively teaching each kid in a coaching environment in a group setting that's why you come to me you're coming to me because i can personalize that environment and make sure that you have the ability to get what you need out of it and i'm going to create create tools of reflection that allows you to then understand what you need to do better in each rep so that you can build personal momentum that's what it is in a nutshell that's what my mission has been over the last 20 or so years. Now, the other aspect of this is when you understand each player and what they need specifically in this teaching environment and the structure that you've built, you're now you're going to teach each player based on their priorities. So every player has, in, in just a retrieval they probably have upwards of five priorities that they could be better at. It doesn't matter who you are. You could be Kale McCarr going back. I can pick two or three things off the top of my head that Kale McCarr could be better at. He's unbelievable. Quinn Hughes, unbelievable defenseman, basically an exit machine in the NHL. He's still got stuff he can work on. There's still things that he could be better at. So we're talking about the best right now, current, present day. These are the best guys. I can make those guys better because I understand what the priorities are and I can lend them down so that they're working on something specific. Now, what's important to that guy is very different than the guy we just called up. The guy we just called up, like there's, there's all kinds of other things. So how do you you gotta personalize that environment and then you coach the player and teach the player according to his priorities. And then he is also in personal reflection. And if you're really good, you create leadership on the ice. Once you create leadership, now you have banter, reflection between one player and the next where they're actively trying to improve each other's skill set. That's what this is about, right? Ultimately trying to get to leadership, which like I said, is when I say it's rare, it's rare. And you can say whatever you like, but... If I go on the ice with your team or group, I it'll be very hard to see up in, to to find or catch an individual player actively working unless there was a major event that occurred that prompted it. Unprompted as an actual habit, it doesn't happen, and that's a hole in development, and that's. Where we're trying to go to, but it takes a long time. You got to work to get to that, and part of that is through this, through these building and understanding these structures. Um, actually, having a plan for each player is probably helpful as well, which is another thing that's also very rare. Very, 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 there's a lot of coaches and teachers, like hockey teachers, that can assess accurately what a player needs. And they can tell me everything that's wrong with that player. And they can probably tell me a few things that they really like about them. But to actually have a plan to develop that player and what they need and correctly building out the priority list and building that out properly and specific for that player, that's also extremely rare. You just don't don't see it. They can tell me everything that's wrong. But... How we fix it and what we're trying to do, and all that sort of stuff like that's that's just doesn't happen. So it's difficult. I say that all to say that if you're going to start building a personal structure, you have to not only assess the player to know what their strengths and weaknesses are in these different aspects that you're trying to influence. But then you also need to build a development plan so that when you're there and the drill that you're put together is going on and you have now six kids standing in line and each kid has a different priority that you know and you're building each one. You have all six balls in the air and you know exactly what you're doing. Like that takes a long time to understand how to do very few people can do it, if any. And that's why I think that they, that's been my like holy grail to try to get to, to learn to be able to do that effectively. Um, but this, in the personal structure, this is where the practice habits are built. And this is why with the best players over the years, they were bored to tears on the ice. Because they're so much better than everyone else. They're, the drills are usually the younger you are, the more unsophisticated the drills are. Now we don't even bother, we just play games, fair enough. Um, but now the player is left to their own devices. They gotta they, they gotta figure it out. And and so the better the player that 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 the player is, the more the further they are on the achievement gap then the more bored they are and then the more impetus they have based on their love for the game to come up with ways to stay engaged. So at an early age, they start to build their own personal structure. They start figuring out. So like you'll see a kid who's really good, who's well above the the, the league, who in a practice... He might come down and go to his backhand like the entire practice. Like you see him just take like thirty backhands, and he'll just find a way to incorporate a backhand. Because he, you know, maybe missed a couple of backhand goals the night before. Now he's pissed off. Comes to practice next day, and he just takes every drill that you have and finds a way to build a backhand chance into it. That's personal structure. Or you know what, like um, would like to improve. His ability to handle the puck in tighter space. So, what does he do? On that one on one, rather than just go to the space, he pulls over towards the boards, tightens up the space, and works the one on one against the defenseman off the wall, and then is all collecting space. Like that's, it's collecting information about how to be better in that space. Ah, you know what? Like the spacing, timing, maybe if I pull the puck back, if I protect it now, uh, use my feet differently. These are what the best kids do. But to have a personal structure, first you have to have a plan for yourself and idea. So a lot of these kids that we're talking about, like they're watching on YouTube. They watch kid the NHL players or YouTube sensation stars, and they start emulating that. Every chance they get, they're working on it, working on it, working on it, working on it. That's a kid who's doing a personal structure. Now What I'm suggesting is is that you might have one of those kids or you might have two of those kids. What I'm suggesting is as a teacher there's an opportunity to have every kid have a personal structure and it's up to you the teacher to teach them one how to do that and then once they know how to do it teach them how to start executing it and create reflection and then once they have an understanding of how to do that then you can create personal uh, you can create first personal leadership where they know what they're doing they go out and execute it but then you also have leadership amongst the group where two kids are interacting two or more kids are interacting together to help build that environment that's culture it's culture environment whatever you don't see it so it doesn't does it doesn't exist it's not out there Uh, there's a few situations you might have the right kid that does it but on a team level there's very very few, if any, that you would see, and that's why when I'm doing my 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 group environments, whether it's hockey camps or whether it's um, you know when I'm working with a, it in a, inside of a team environment, this is the types of stuff that I'm always looking to try to incorporate because that's what sharpens my skill set. All right, so that's personal skill structure. The last one is interconnected personal structure so this means it's very similar like to the jump between a single structure and a parallel structure in a personal structure to an interconnected personal structure it's like you're, you're taking a, the first one which is very individual and then you're taking the next one which is much more of a group thing so as a, as a coach or teacher what you're doing is You're going to take the individual objectives of each player and you're going to have those work together where one pulls out the best in the other. So for example, let's say I'm doing, let's say I have a power skating class, okay? And I'm going to take, I have a a group and I split up the group into like groups of four or five. And we have kids, you know, working on whatever the progression is. But at some point, I'm going to take the progression, I'm going to have um, change of speed for one player because that's the kids are already pretty affluent and they skate very well. They have good acceleration. Problem is, is like they play one speed. So I want to get them to learn to decel, to accel. And that there's, and the issue with, Change of speed is it sounds like a great idea, but it's timing oriented. you got to read when to decel so that you can then accel. So the key part of it is the decel to accel. Okay, so that's one kid. Then I have another kid who's working on sheer agility, just trying to stay agile, stay on the toes of their feet. They're trying to make sure that they're light. They might be a little heavy, they're trying to learn to pick them up and put them down and be light and be able to move more effectively and quicker. So, I create a drill structure in which change of speed is against agility. So, the change of speed guy is leading the play, taking control of the play, and the agility guy is in reaction too. So, he's worked. So, that speed, speed change guy he accelerates it's like a one-on-one type of a structure in some way they take off first guy is the change of speed guy takes off accelerates the agility kit he also accelerates he's trying to stay neck and neck now the deceleration the change of speed kit he decelerates so now so does the so does the agility kid. now he's also going to decelerate so that he can change direction so that forces the agility kid to have to maybe pivot or he's got to stop and start or all. So I take one, this is one situation in which it's an interconnected personal structure. So one aspect of it is feeding the other. So we need both of these things. I want the the change of speed player needs the agility kid To be very good, to be able to really learn how to decel to accel, learn the timing, and the better the agility player is, the more that player is engaged, the, the better, the harder it is for him, the more value he's going to get out of it. The agility kid, he needs the change of speed guy to really learn to change speeds and then also change direction. The change of speed guy needs the agility guy to stay with him. And this agility guy needs this the change of speed guy to change be changing directions, to decel to change directions, to force him to have his to 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 put his feet in an awkward spot so he can become lighter. So in an interconnected personal structure, you're trying to find skills that lend itself to each other and they work in tandem to elevate, to raise the tides so that all the boats rise. That's basically what we're doing. This is the highest level of teaching in a group environment. If you can figure out, and I've got lists and lists and lists that I've worked on over the years to come up with these, like what types of things can you get this push-pull environment with that one lends itself to the other and then create an interconnected environment in which the players can work with each other. And then off we go. the the real skill becomes in the drill or game construction. And this is where like this, there's levels to executing a game and we now and this has been one of my arguments for the last several years with this whole influx of like well, we just play games like it's just small area games we drop the puck and we put some constraints on and all good the odds of kids actually getting better that are not the best players on the team who have the benefit of being able to put together their own personal structure very low and that's that's why with these types of things you can take your game and you can make it way more effective for every player that's on the ice and that's what this is becomes all about how to make it more or any drill it doesn't matter like i know drills they've kind of taken a big hit because they're not done properly they're not taught properly they're boring and the level of information that can be collected by the player is low there's not a lot of reading the game and so you lose all of that and so it's like why are we even why are we even bother well what we have it's not the drill that's the problem it's the teachers no good the teacher lacks skills doesn't have the skill set to be able to execute the teaching things that need to happen to make that drill effective in its place in the progression because if we're actually teaching there's a progression and we're trying to focus on that progression and we're moving kids along and that's and we're all constantly evaluating and that influences the progression that's really where we're at and when you don't have any of those considerations which many 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 very few people are considering those aspects that's that's where you run into an issue. So the highest form of a group dynamic in a group development environment, which honestly, every time you step on the ice, it's an opportunity to get better. So there's you could argue that every time you get on the ice, it's a development environment. But how much of it, are you actively promoting that with your players? How many of your players are actually doing it? The answer is it's extremely low, if any. And so, what I'm trying to do is build an awareness that there's levels to this and there's levels to get to, and there's ways to start trying to figure these things out. And if you, the effort that you put into it, the more you're going to get out of it. And then, more importantly, the more your players are going to get out of it. They'll have a deeper understanding of, of the game and, and the line. And the, the, the other part of it that I think is really important is there's a team leadership that comes from it. And I find one of my, one of the things that's really stood out for me is there's a real lack of leadership on teams from the top to the bottom. And this is a way of learning to build team leaderships and call. Everyone wants to talk to me about culture and all this. And then you go and you watch and it really isn't all that much different than every than everything else. Like the way it executes and the way it actually is, it really isn't there really isn't a lot of, there isn't a lot of team leadership that's going on and that's, you know, partly our, our response. But if you really wanna be an elite coach or teacher where you're able to really pull out the best in people in a different you know in a meaningful way, these are the kinds of things that I think become uh, paramount and, and really important and if you're really like me fanatical about the teaching part of it then this becomes this becomes obsession and it, it was an obsession to me and i think as a coach like i said i haven't really got into the how you're gonna do it i've only got into the what but we have a whole season so i'm gonna start kind of chipping away at you know some examples of how to foster some of these stuff but this was this was a good intro i think into how to meet the player where they are and to start to build out a real structure and for not only the player to learn but for us the coach and the teacher